The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi everyone, Mac19 here and you are listening to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. As always, we've got Fishing Rick here as co-host. How are you, buddy? I'm very excited, Macca. It's uh, footy season once again. It's back. And not, and not only that, our, uh, our little project is cruising along really well. So along. I'm very, very excited by it. Everyone should be keeping an eye out for um, Port Fan Radio. It's uh, only a couple of weeks away. Fantastic. Can't wait, mate. Should be fantastic. It's very, very exciting and... Hopefully our guests will come on and join us on it every now and again. Hope so. Well, look, uh, we thought the first uh, preview for the season, we bring out the big gun. So we've got Tribe. How are you, buddy? Hashtag footy's back. How are we, boys? It's back. What a big week it's been in football as well, to quote uh, Eddie. Um, Enormous. Enormous. Massive week for Port Adelaide as well. Huge. Is there a bigger round one that we've ever had? Probably not. No, probably not. No, no, no bigger round one. No. No. Well, it, uh, I, in a way, it's exciting because it sort of sets it sets our season up in a way. I mean, it's funny to say it just with one game, but with such a tough run that we've got, um, you know, the confidence that we could get from flying over and beating Fremantle in round one could really give us a launching pad That's over it. the next five weeks. Absolutely. Well, look, let's talk about that later. We'll, we'll talk about a few issues that have popped up this week first. Um, the first one I want to start with is a, a bit of a negative or probably an indifference, really. And, and talk about Nick Stevens, who last week was jailed for eight months uh, for a number of disgraceful charges. Um, we're talking about assault, intentionally causing serious injury, threatening to kill, threatening to inflict serious injury, all against his ex-girlfriend. I mean, it's a pretty staggering and upsetting case. I mean, where did it all go wrong for for our boy Nick? Moving to Carlton. Moving to Carlton. I would have said when he was born. Um, <laughs> you know, the minute the doctor looked at him, it was just all downhill from there. But no, in all seriousness, not to make light of it, it was a uh, obviously a horrible crime, and uh, it's probably overdue that you know uh, one of these footballers was sent a message that just because you're famous, just because you're a footballer, uh, you can't break the law in such a despicable manner. Well, he was lucky that it was only eight months, really, to yeah. be honest. I mean, if I was judge, it probably would have been a lot longer than that because that's a, a, abysmal. And it's ironic because I never saw him show that much aggression on the footy field. <laughs> well, look, I, I really enjoyed Nick Stevens when he was here. He was one of my favourite players. I, I think a lot of Port fans loved him when he played for us. I thought he was a pretty fantastic midfielder. And you, you just got to think of the whole sliding doors moment when he decided to have some drinks after the Sydney final and... You know, pretty much ruined his trust of the playing group. Felt he couldn't stay. Ends up at Carlton. His career peters out with injury. Misses out on a flag. Just goes to show how important decisions um, that you make actually are. And you know, he could have easily retired a Port Adelaide champion, a premiership hero. Instead, he's now a disgraced figure. He isn't particularly liked by either club he was at, and uh, isn't forever known as someone who beats up women and coach uh, Glenelg. Yep. He should have been sentenced really, to keep coaching at Glenelg. I thought. What are you? What are you talking about, Macca? I I haven't heard any of this. I must be living under this um, rock again about drinking against the after the Sydney game. What what's going on there? 
Well, that's what uh, that's what caused it. From what I'm led to believe is he had a contract written up, ready to go. Um, him and another player had a few drinks after the Sydney final that we lost in 2003. Yeah. Um, right. The club found out, um, and basically the trust was ruined, and he felt he couldn't stay, so he left. Mm, never heard of that before. Haven't you? No. Well, that's the whole reason why him and uh, Brent Guerra left the club. There you go. I just thought that the club didn't want him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they weren't. They were surplus to our needs. Nice. Rick, that's oh. Rick. Come on, I don't. I don't, I don't get privy. Can't. I don't get privy to this inside information like you guys in the know do. I'm just an average punter that just reads the advertiser, listens to five double A, and and that's all I get. You were too busy wearing your Satoru Nakajima duffel coat (laughs) 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 from when he won the like 1988 Japanese Formula Ford or something. Japan's here. Love it. I'm still drinking out of that cup. That was an amazing moment in, in <laughs> F1 career. I never thought I'd hear Satoru Nakajima named on this podcast. Well, day made. Because he was much is... better than Aguri Suzuki, I have to say. He was. Oh. Let's bring back Kobayashi. I oh, love it. Well, poor old Nick, uh, hopefully he enjoys his uh, time in the big house. And um, let's talk about something a bit better, and that's Asada. The boys are ready to play. Angus Monfries and Patrick Ryder, they got let off. The Essendon boys got found not guilty. I didn't see that coming, to be honest. I thought they were screwed. I thought they were, I thought they were going to be a year out of the game. Um, they're very lucky. Uh, and I think Essendon Football Club is very lucky. And it, I mean, we're lucky. We get the, our two key players to play. So from a selfish point of view, I think it's great. But somehow, I don't know... If, Justice has really been done here at all. Uh, the measure of it is that in uh, ultimate footy drafts Australia-wide, there was the likes of Dyson Heppel going at pick 400 because everybody <laughs> thought he was going to be gone for six months. But um, just a staggering outcome for all concerned. I mean, where does anybody go from here? The players have got the taint over them for the rest of their lives. I mean, God, you know? They're, they're essentially... You know, they haven't been cleared, but there was insufficient evidence and James Hurd still coaches and the Asada boss is so angry. So where, where do they go from here, boys? Look, I've got to say, it's pretty much a farcical situation after it was billed as the blackest day in Australian sporting history and nothing's come out of it. And as you said, Triby, the Asada boss is, uh, is very angry. I'm sure he will, he'll write a letter. Um, I'm not sure where we go from here. I just don't... I don't get what's going on here. I mean... Like you said, they've come out and said it's the darkest day in sporting history in Australia, and then they can't prove anything. Mm. I mean, well, look, clearly something's happened, but they just can't prove it. I don't think they're not guilty. I think they're just not proven at this point. Well, sure. I guess out of all of this, though, the players were probably naive and probably aren't guilty, but surely the people that implemented and also um, some of the coaching have to they would have known what was going on in some capacity and and surely some guilt is there and i think out of all of this james Hurd's probably the luckiest man ever to be uh, a coach in the afl system still yeah well i mean where do we go from here i mean essendon lost draft picks i mean james Hurd got 
you know, acts for a year and, you know, fines and all this sort of stuff, and they're found not guilty. I mean, I just wonder if there's any sort of... Well, well, that's true. I mean, I wonder if there's any repercussions over those uh, penalties that they got, considering that they're now found not guilty. I doubt it. I think they'll just take the money and run. I mean, uh, let's face the facts, Asada's probably going to... They'll probably appeal it anyway, won't they? I don't think they will. No, I, I don't think they will appeal. Right. There's no, there's no evidence. Yeah, they, they need new evidence or, or something else um, to be able to appeal, and I don't think there is any. And then WADA, WADA has the opportunity to appeal as well after that, don't they? Well, same story. I don't think there's any yeah. new evidence. Mm. Unless they can it's... get Charter or, or Dank to uh, to come forward and say exactly what's happened, then I, I don't think they, they've got a leg to stand on. What a, what a ridiculous turn of events that was, though, that the two guys aren't even compelled to give evidence. <laughs> so we've gone through two years of this and all the millions of dollars and Essendon banned from finals and Patrick Ryder and... For what? Nothing. For nothing. And isn't that because he's not an employee? Is is that right? As a, He was only a contractor, so they can't force him to, uh, to give evidence? Yeah, I think that sounds about right, but look, in the end, it's such a huge positive for the Port Adelaide Footy Club to uh, to have Angus Monfries there, um, and of course to have Patrick Ryder. I mean, the thought of you know losing him before we even got to see him was uh, was pretty horrendous. Absolutely, I mean he's so instrumental to our uh, key to winning uh, as well. So um, yeah, to not have Ryder, I think yeah would have been a massive out, and no offence to Angus, so. I guess he's instrumental to our forward line, but I reckon he would have, we would have been able to probably cover Angus um, a little bit easier than what we would Paddy. So, uh, yeah, and I guess we've all been excited after the uh, family day to see what um, Paddy can deliver us. So now we'll be able to see. And interestingly, starting in the ruck, what's going on there? Well, I, I don't think he'll probably start there, but... Um... Yeah, I can't wait to see him on the weekend. He could play anywhere, boys. He could. He's we could see him at centre-half back. You never know. Oh, anywhere. That's it. Well, what, what do you guys think, seeing we're talking about the rider issue, and it seems to be a lot of commentary in the media about, oh, Paddy wants to be a permanent ruckman and only play a little bit forward. Um, you know, do these guys really know what they're talking about? And McClure have brought it up last night, and I've seen other people bring it up as well. Um, surely he would have come here knowing that Matt Lobey is probably the number one ruck. Um, so, yeah, I just can't see it being the issue that they're making it out to be. Mark McClure is the absolute last person I would ask for an opinion about Port Adelaide. I agree with that, as he puts his glasses on and then takes them off and then puts them back on again. But, <laughs> um, you know, like, Paddy Wright has come here to win a premiership, hasn't yeah, he? Absolutely. I mean, it's not like he's going to be stuck in the back pocket or, you know, third man on the interchange bench. He's going to be right in the thick of it no matter where he plays. And I think that's that's what he's going to want to do. And, you know, fingers crossed he'll play 20, 22, 24 games and we'll wear a premiership medal at the end of the year. That's it. I love Jonathan Brown's comment the week before where, where the same thing came up with their 10-minute roundtable discussion on the teams. And uh, as a true forward, he said, why wouldn't you want to play in that forward line? It'd be the best forward line to play in. He's probably right, too. He would be. We've got Polek. got Polek delivering the ball to the forwards. That's it. It would have been in that exact voice, too. So credit <laughs> to you there, Rick. So. <laughs> it's, 
It's the ochre in me, uh, Tribe. Jonathan yeah, Brown, get on your boys. Yeah, get on your boys. Forward line with the big pink. Oh, yeah, that absolutely. bloody forward line would have been fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can just imagine your Polex, your Bokies, uh, kicking it down my throat, mate. No, that, uh, that's a bit bit high pitch for uh, Brownie there, Macca. Sorry, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we'll talk about uh, a couple of the new sponsors that we've got. Um, one's pretty straight down the, the line. The other was a, a little bit controversial, I guess. Uh, RAA, a new partner sponsor, which is fantastic. And we've got a new premier partner in uh, Paddy's Food Limited who make the 4 and 20 pie as well. And... You know, I think it's pretty rare that uh, getting a new high-paying sponsor causes uh, negativity, but in true uh, South Australian fashion, uh, the fact that Port, uh, quote-unquote, overlooked Balfour's and Villiers for four and 20 years caused a bit of a minor ruckus in the media. I thought you summed it up well during the week, Trivey. Did I? Yeah, have a go again. I, re- I was impressed. I always forget what I write. It's mostly nonsense. But um, <laughs> look, it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered what we did. There'd be people complaining. South Australian company, Victorian company, like people have just got max to grind, and now we're independent, strong, and we're definitely becoming a threat on and off the field. It's just going to keep ramping up. So I say embrace it and eat many, many four and twenty pies, boys. So how are they going to make money if they can't sell it at the ground? They're expecting to sell quite a few at the marquee, are they? Well, they'll be selling them out the front pretty cheap i think that's uh, that's what the plan is right and they're also short sponsors so they'll get national uh advertising space yeah okay i'll miss that so they're on the shorts are they yep. yeah i mean Excellent. the question i like to ask is you know where were these south australian businesses when we were on our ass a few years ago i mean no one wanted to touch us now we're the bad guys because we you know accept a national brand who are prepared to you know pay up the market rate as opposed to a couple of local brands that can't pony up the cash I love the Holden example. Ooh. Where was Holden's when they went for one meal at Collingwood? Yeah. Where was of... Ken Max? Where yeah. was Lloyd's? Where was Focus Video? Where were they? And how come the Crows didn't sign Holden's on instead of taking Toyota many moons ago? Absolutely. It's, it's very confusing. It's very true. But the good news is, guys, that we're pulling in more sponsors, which is amazing. I mean, who would have thought, um, you know, two and a half years ago that this was going to be the case? Well, that's right. I mean, I think the stats came out that we've doubled our corporate sponsorship in the last two and a bit years, which is incredible, really. It's all about exposure, though, isn't it? So we've got a much larger national profile. We're on free-to-air television far more. We're going to go into September. We're always talked about on AFL 360 and everywhere in between. I mean, sponsors are getting real value for their money now, whereas, you know, in the dark old days of Soaring Securities, I mean, there are probably people in the financial industry who didn't even know who Soaring Securities were. And, you know, there's an opportunistic, uh, you know, spot that opened up and they took it. But, you know, now, and I'm sure when we go to... uh, Resign Renault and all our existing sponsors. Now the market rate is going to be far higher, and you know those sponsors that get in on the ground floor now will get a lot of reward going forward. That's it. And what about RAA coming on? Are you guys uh, interested in that one? Stoked, mate! Absolutely there? stoked. There, and I see they've taken the RAA Lounge, Macca. There you go. Ah! Well, look, 
Let's uh, get into it. Round one, it's finally here. We face the heart and soul of football in round one versus Frio at uh, Patterson Stadium. It's twilight game on Easter Sunday. We've got a 16-13 win-loss record against the heart and soul of football. Um, you know, last time we met the semi-final last year, what a fantastic game that was. We came from 30 points down in the second quarter to record what's probably our most famous finals victory by 22 points um, with uh, Ollie Wines and Robbie Gray, the superstars that day. I guess the first question I've got is, um, you know, where do you place the level of importance of this game? Well, I sort of answered that at the beginning, didn't I? I sort of gave that away. I, I think this is a real opportunity to um, be a, a fantastic springboard for the first five games of the season. We've got to, we've got to make a statement, don't we? I mean, it's always tough going over to, is it Domain Stadium now? <laughs> Domain, whatever that is, is it? Is it? Is it? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's been renamed from Patterson's to Domain. Oh, my goodness. What a Domain do you? I'm going to what have to Domain do you? I don't know. Domain. But, uh, it's the purple, red, and green, and we've got to stop them from being the premier team. And, oh. uh, yeah, it's it's very, very important because, obviously, we've talked about it before. We talked about it when I was last on the podcast. It is a horror run of fixtures in the first four or five weeks. And, uh, you know, we've got to go into every game hoping to, you know, bank some points early. Look, I think it's vitally important that we start the season well. Um, just to put some doubt into the minds of our opponents, you know, a Frio away win to start the year would be massive. And look, I, I think if we beat Frio, we'd be able to broadside any foe, really. Mm. Oh, look, I think if we if we beat Frio, at worst, I reckon we'll be 2-1 and one after three games, and that, that gives us a big platform. I guess if I strip this back to before Frio coming into this game... Um, was the pre-season the pre-season you were expecting to give us this launching pad uh, to come and play Frio? Or was the pre-season fixture or our performance a little bit underwhelming um, compared to what the expectation was, which can create maybe a concern that we're ready to rock for this game? Our pre-season form's always, you know, I guess, underperforming. I mean, we never really sort of come out and demolish opponents you know we, we had that really good game against west coast and played a young team in round two and you know didn't really look like we cared too much in round three so i'm not sure we can really take too much out of that um is it the best sort of springboard to attack this round one game i guess we didn't really get uh, any extra injuries um I, I guess all the players will be out there fit and ready to go so i don't know maybe it is but what is pre-season form these days with the new format? I mean, it's almost like English. It's almost like English football. We go and you know we play in country towns and we play second, third, fourth string teams and rest superstars and there's absolutely no gauge to it. I think teams have learnt now that rather than going helter skelter and being 110 percent fit for round one and potentially burning out, <clears throat> excuse me, down the track, I think now coaches are looking at the longer game and uh, are looking to have. Uh, players peaking far later in the season cycle. And now that means instead of playing all your Jets in NAB 1, NAB 2, NAB 4 and being right at the line for round one, now, you know, you might not be 100% fit, but, hey, neither will the other team be. So it's just going to be a war of attrition until the final siren. Well, what about the th- what about that third quarter, though, against the Crows? I mean, that was a bit of a concern for me. I, I was a bit disappointed that we really lacked any... Um, Influence in that quarter. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother Does, me at all. Doesn't bother you? No, not really. Not really. I mean, if it happens this week, it'll bother me, but it doesn't really bother me. It happening in the preseason at all. Hmm. 
Fair enough. All right. Well, that was that's my only concern coming. That's my only concern coming into this game that uh, we've lacked a bit of continuity, and I'm just hoping that the players aren't maybe a little bit too relaxed and just expecting the the flick to the switch to be flicked. So um, I think they're as we know their best is good enough, and the semi final showed that. So yeah. and look, we. Outside of the couple of players, which I'm sure you're going to bring up in a sec, that are coming back from injury, we're, we've got our strongest 22 basically out there, which is amazing. It is. Let's talk about teams. Um, there's going to be a minimum of two changes from the prelim final side last year. Andrew Moore and Cam O'Shea uh, are out of the lineup. Um, but look, in comes Patrick Ryder for his first game for the club. And I, I guess there's quite a few names on the bench there. They haven't decided who's going to play or not. Um, you know, there's Jarman Impey, there's Kane Mitchell, Aaron Young, Johnny Butcher's going over there. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting who we choose on the bench. Mm. It, it Matt, could be anyone, really, couldn't it? it you could. don't really know how we're going to set up or what Ken's got up his sleeve. Because as we've just mentioned with the preseason, it's not like we've shown our hand. We well, could come out with any system against Frio. Well, who do you expect to be named on the bench? For me, personally, I think Kane Corns, Angus Monfries, Hamish Hartlett are, are three absolute locks. Um, and then for me, I'd probably be looking at Jarman Impey. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same as you, Macker. I think Mitchell Young and Butcher have to miss out. And I actually think Butcher's probably a bit unlucky. We had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. Um, what are we going to do with riders available and Butcher? And I think we might be just too top-heavy if we play Ryder and Butcher in the same side. Yeah. Look, I guess the other thing to mention um, is Ollie Wines playing his 50th game. Is is there a player that's played a better first 50 games for the Port Adelaide Footy Club? It's a tough call. Uh, it, it's hard to go, go past him, especially when his name and his uh, figures are up there with the players like Chris Judd and, and those that sort of calibre after 50 games. It, he's had an amazing impact and he's, a, he's an amazing young player. How far back are we going? As far back as you want, mate. I was going to well, say that's probably the best 50 games since Simon Trigenza. Yeah, Trigger, Trigger had a massive start to his career, didn't he? He was mm. twice runner-up in the McGarry medal before the age of 20, wasn't he? Yep. Mm. Nathan Buckley had a huge first... Uh, third, well, how many did he play for us? 20-odd? 30-odd? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then uh, let's not forget Michael Wilson. Michael Wilson's first couple of years were absolutely stellar for yep. the Magpies. Absolutely. But uh, no, at AFL level, I mean... You know, thank you, Melbourne. <laughs> you know, you just provide so many lulls, and now you provide us with gems so far down the draft. So, you know, good on Ollie Wines, but also, hey, good on Melbourne. That's it. Never forget. Well, hopefully he doesn't want to ever play with his mate. Or just bring his mate over here. Yeah. He can stay over there. <laughs> well, <laughs> what change are we expecting to see from Frio from the semi final last year? That's a very good question. I mean, I'm not really up with... Haven't they had, like, a huge injury issue over the summer? Like, there's been a bunch of key players who've been managed or come off surgery or all the rest of it. So, um, I haven't got a team sheet in front of me, but he's Luke McFarlane, for instance, going to play. He's, he's, he's named, named a fullback. Well, there you go. I mean, that's a, that's a massive upgrade on the defence they deployed against us uh, in... Perth in the semi-final, but you know, on the flip side, how old is he now? 32, 33? Yeah. He's got a lot of miles on the clock. He might not be the same 
you know, agile, mm-hmm. strong defender. So it, it could be it could be anything. And of course, let's not forget Ryan Crowley not on the team sheet for various well, not various reasons because he took the wrong tablet. So I mean, Travis Boak and Robbie Gray must have just looked at each other and just nodded because they're going to be able to wreak havoc in the midfield without him hanging off of one of them. Well, that's it. I mean, who do we expect to see go to those two players? The third well, DeBoer brother. <laughs> I think Matt DeBoer, Matt fresh DeBoer. from Ajax Amsterdam. That's it. Maybe but, they won't yeah, play like, hard tag. I think they will on one. I, I wouldn't surprise me to see someone like Lockie Neal go to Travis Boak instead, just to see if he could try and hurt him the other way. Um, I'd almost expect a ball to go to Robbie Gray, especially if Gray starts in the midfield. Well, Lockie Neal had a great first quarter, uh, first half against us in that semi-final as well, didn't he? Yeah. Lockie Neal is an absolute weapon. Like, he's the sort of player who could average 28 to 35 touches this year. Oh. He's just that much of a magnet. So I would almost expect him to just be their primary weapon that we've got to take care of. They probably look a little bit thin up forward with Zach Clark being their um, second tall forward. Um, so that's probably going to be one of their uh, weaknesses coming into this game. But they've got a, a they've got a uh, they've got a fairly strong side uh, named, and like you said, Tribe, I don't know how many are coming back from injuries, um, but there was a few under a bit of a cloud, but. I guess the, the concern, if I was a Frio supporter, is their, their lack of trading and um, they really haven't create, added much speed or youth uh, into that side. So they're really banking on the players from last year who weren't able to deliver on the big stage uh, to be able to deliver this year, which uh, with an ageing team could be a bit of an issue for them. Who's that other bloke they got, though? They recruited... He looks like Fabrizio Ravinelli. You know, he's about six foot four. He's got grey hair, plays up forward... Or was that Pav? Did you see Pav's hair? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on with Matthew Pavlich's noggin? It's uh, shocking. Father oh. time. Gee whiz. Mate, he's still got hair, so I'm jealous. Sorry. Well, <laughs> that's, this is true. Your nemesis from high school days. That's but, it. Uh, yeah, in all seriousness, I mean, Matthew Pavlich, I mean, he's going to be, I think, a huge barometer to Fremantle's fortunes because if he can pull out another you know, really high-caliber year, despite being, you know, well over 30, uh, he'll be a huge uh, factor for Frio's forward line. But obviously, if Father Time starts catching up the legs, I mean, we saw the end of Warren, we saw the end of Jonathan Brown. Uh, Once the legs for a key forward start to go, you really do in the modern game become a non-factor. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we've got Frio in round one, so we're not going to really know whether he's still got much in the tank. But, uh, yeah, keeping hold of Matthew Pavlich is obviously going to be crucial. Well, it comes down to that age-old adage, doesn't it, of uh, restri- reducing the uh, midfield supply into the forward line, and that's going to um, make a big difference. Um, I went to our the Bible, for me, of internet stats and went to final siren and... It was quite interesting. I got the top 20 players from the last five games. And if you haven't actually looked this up, who do you reckon is the most influential player for either side uh, in the last uh, five games? In the last five games, I would say Sanderlands. I'm going to say Tendai Mazungu. Hamish Hartlett. Hamish Hartlett, there you go. The oh, top port, okay. Yeah. No, well, it's the top five influential players in the last five games against Port Adelaide v Frio. Hartlett, Robbie Gray, Lockie Neal, Ollie Wines, Justin Westhoff. Well, there, so, you go. there you go. 
it's um, yeah, I was very surprised to see Hamish at the top of the tree there. So maybe that's a reason the the boys are, or the coaches are keen to get him back into the the team because he does seem to have a a bit of a liking for playing Fremantle. Without Matt Taberner in that forward line, do we think we might be a little top heavy down back? I don't think so. I mean, you, you look at Jonas. I mean, Jonas isn't overly tall anyway. Manny Broadbird, Jasper Pittard, Jack Comp, she can play sort of tall, small as well. So really our two key talls are Carlisle and Tringo. So I think the forward line really suits our defence. Who would you have Homsch going to? I'd just uh, have Homsch floating. Yeah. I really like Homsch as that third-up contest-killing Massive fist at the last minute, huge closing speed. I think his ability to support as that third-up defender is crucial. And, of course, obviously, we know with his left foot and his reading of the play, he can peel off so well and, you know, turn defence into attack with ease. I could, so, just, be, I could just be too much on Team Honch, but... No, no, I'm with you. The only, risk, the only risk for us is, obviously, if, if we're going by the matchups on the internet... Um, is if he's up and doesn't effectively spoil or get the ball, Hayden Ballantyne could be allowed to to run loose, which could be a big issue for us. And it's just while you were talking about that, it just gave me flashbacks to um, him being able to break our zone, zone in the semi-final when they were on top and running uh, freely into open space, which is something I'm sure the coaches will be mindful of with our uh, zone defence, so to speak. Is it a concern that we're going in with a quarter of our squad um, who've played either zero or one games in the preseason? I don't think so. I think, what is it, the third preseason that uh, everyone bar Ryder has done under Burgess? I mean, their fitness base should be as good as it possibly can be. Yes, it would be nice to have uh, a bit of match fitness underneath their belts, but you know, they they don't forget how to run. They are just massively fit, and I think there probably will be some tired legs as we go into the death at the last quarter. But I don't think it'll be a factor. Fremantle, while they're obviously an extremely hard team to match up against, they're not like uh, a fellow team that could potentially run us off our legs. If anything, they're going to be worried about us, and will be rotating heavily early to try and blow us out of the water like they did in the semi. Mm. Yeah, for me, I guess it's a slight concern, mainly um, if they can try and exploit Trengove and Wingard, who haven't played at all in the preseason. I'm, I mean, whether they can do that or not, I'm not too sure. I'm, I'd really hope that uh, that Chad Wingard has a has a great game. Um, I mean, there, there's also guys that haven't really done much in the preseason. Looking at uh, Matty White and Jakey Need, um, it'll be interesting to see how we go. Well, I think I'm glad you pointed it out because I, I think, to personally, the form of Matt White in the preseason is probably more of a concern than some of those players that haven't been out of play coming back in. He uh, really lacked influence in the trial games. I know you guys are saying that you don't take much out of it, but you still want to see um, those sort of players get a bit of ball. I mean, you can get away with Chat Wingard, for example. The, the coaching staff might just predominantly play him forward and not run him through the midfield. So. I mean, and as we know, he's a freak, get 10 touches, he can kick three, four, five goals, and, and he's done his job. Um, I guess the only thing is going to be these guys lacking a little bit of touch, so, you know, their skills might be a little bit down. Uh, um, yeah, otherwise, fitness-wise, I think they're going to be fully fit and, and able to play, and 
And I said before, I don't want Hamish sitting out, but out of all of them, it'd probably be, if we had to rest, keep one out, would probably would be Hamish just because of his injury issue. But yeah. um, you know, Rondo, uh, who we've spoken to, reckons that flying over is no issue for that sort of injury. Um, so I guess we play him if he's fit. He's, he's a gun and needs to be in that side. Just on Matt White, I just think... Uh... I'm not overly concerned with his form because I think he, more than anyone, was a victim of the fact that we just have not taken the preseason seriously. Um, you know, Matthew White is brought in as a finisher. He finishes off other people's good work. And, I mean, as we saw in, you know, Bar, did he play the West Coast game in round one? In that yeah, one? he got two kicks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, forget what I said. <laughs> I just would have it. I guess I would have just liked to have seen more ball but um, from him, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I guess on the opposite, I, I really liked what I saw from from Jake Need in the preseason. Well, it's just and the finishing for me, which was disappointing. I mean, I think he ended up kicking zero goal six or something through the preseason. So, it would have been nice if he could have, um, you know, found the goals a bit more. He's getting yeah, his chances though, isn't he? he is, that's right. Yeah. He's getting and he's getting the ball. He looks he's a lot stronger. Up. He does, and I thought some of his inside work when he had the ball. Uh, was fantastic, and he, he he seems to play well against Frio, and he does he's got a great ability to attract that high tackle to get the free kick. So, uh, well, I'm I'm very glad that they've uh, rewarded Jake and kept him in the side. Um, saying that, I would have been happy for Aaron Young, who I'm assuming is going to miss out to be in the side because I think he's played very well this preseason too. Yep. Well, look, who's going to win it for Frio? Who uh, concerns you in that lineup? Valentine is always a concern. Yep. Um, Nate Fife is another one. And uh, Nate Fife and Stephen Hill, obviously, um, they'll be the ones delivering to, to Matty Pavlich and uh, the other forwards. So for me, if we can nullify Fife and Stephen Hill, and uh, that will restrict the options for um, Valentine and Pavlich. And are we all looking forward to Nate Fife, Ollie Wines? Round two. Absolutely. I hope it happens. How big will it be? Huge. I want to see another one of those bumps like at the start of the third quarter going for the ball. Massive. What a signal of intent that was. Oh, it was amazing. It was a game changer. Oh. That, that is fast becoming my favourite Port Adelaide moment. Mm, it was amazing. It just epitomised everything about, you know, we talk about, talk about we are Port Adelaide and the creed and putting your head over the ball and Jack Cale and Tim Ginever espouse all these notions about what it is to be Port Adelaide. But that there, you know, the chips were down. What were we? We were four goals down. We played like absolute dogs. We really should have been out of the game. And then up steps Ollie Wines, who's, was he even 20 years old at the time? Nope. Up he steps and he just goes head to head with Nat Fife, who's being hailed rightly as probably the heir apparent to Gary Ablett as the best player in the comp. And he just knocks him over and wins the ball. I mean, it was just... I mean, I want to say poetry in motion, but the amount of times I've paused it because I've had to get fresh tissues, it probably isn't motion. It's more, <laughs> it's more poetry in JPEG form for me. So, Well, look, who's going to win it for Port Adelaide? Jeez, there's a, a massive list. Um, Robbie Gray, Hamish Hartlett, Travis Boak, Jared Pollock, and the, the list continues on. We've, we've got a lot of game breakers now and match winners I, I tell you it'd be hard being an opposition coach looking at our board when you, you look at the names that you've got to um, contend with you, you would be very worried 
And then obviously Jasper Pittard, because I mean, locking locking him down and his run off the half bank flank is almost impossible now. This god is this guy's gone to demigod status, I reckon. Look, I'm really hoping to see Travis Boak tear free or a new one. With uh, without Crowley there, I'm hoping he gets off the leash a little bit and you know picks up three Brownlow votes. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. I just want to see Robbie Gray. Just, I really, really want to see Robbie Gray. Just, I mean, he's getting a lot of positive press, and he turned up in a lot of the top ten, you know, player lists that we see from fifty different journalists. But I just, I really want to see Robbie Gray back up last year's season. Yeah. And just prove to everybody, home and away in the industry, just how special a talent he is. Because this isn't just this isn't just a really good player who's becoming excellent. He's got a talent and a skill set and vision and ability on and off the ball that you cannot, you just cannot see coming for a million years. It is just, oh boys, I'm losing it. I I'm telling <laughs> you, I could. He does things to me that are just, they're otherworldly. And if Robbie Gray can just break through this breakthrough and become a genuine elite jet, you are going to have to help me because I don't know what I'll do. I can tell you now, there's only one thing that's going to stop him from doing what you want him to do. And I'm not even going to mention what that is because I don't want to bring any bad karma. I think... He's gonna he's gonna smash uh, 2015, and I think he's just pushed himself that far into the stratosphere of uh, elite footballers. I, I wouldn't expect anything uh, less, to be honest. That's it. Look, the last question I've got is uh, Patrick Ryder. What output are we expecting from him this weekend? Oh, 15 goals and 100 hitouts. He's all juiced up, ready to go, isn't he? Pardon is this like a closest to the pin? Sorry. <laughs> it is. Yes. All right. I reckon I'm going to say I'm going to say 15 disposals, five marks, and one goal. One. I like it. All right. I'll go. I'll go 18, two goals, and 25 hitouts. Okay. I'm going to say 19 touches, eight marks, three goals, two. Three goals, two. Gee whiz, that would almost be best on ground, wouldn't it? Almost. Okay, I'm going to flip this question around then. What is the influence of Ryder going to do for Justin Westhoff? And what's his impact going to be in the game? Well, look, hopefully we see Westhoff off the leash and he just roams the ground doing whatever he does. And he could have an absolutely massive year, Westhoff, this year. If Ryder can hold down a forward spot and become what Westhoff has been the last few years mm. I mean the sky's the limit for Justin Westhoff and you're not you're not talking about goal output you're talking about influence around the whole ground I'd, yeah, I'd assume around the whole ground I, I would love to see Westhoff start on a wing and just do whatever he wants to do because yeah. he will dominate yeah he's he's going to be like the old school ruck rover almost he's just going to go wherever the ball goes and God, I mean, in the air, on the ground, in rock, he could just be an influence everywhere, couldn't he? Yeah. Mm. And he's a big starter, Justin Westhoff. The last two, three years, he's had huge starts to the season. So, Very I mean, much looking forward to seeing what he can do on Sunday as well. Where is our weakness in this start, in this, the 22 players that will play on the weekend? Have we got a weakness now? I don't think we've got a weakness in terms of player type in the side. Maybe... 
maybe lock down small defender. But for me, the weakness going in is uh, is the fact that we've got five or six players that haven't really played much in the preseason. So, you know, hoping that they all perform in such a crucial game, that's uh, that's probably the weakness for me. Right. But, I mean, take that out. <laughs> Have we got a weakness in our side anymore? I'm going to say we do. Yeah? Yeah. I think, the one, I think the one thing we absolutely lack, and as good as as good as Ryder will be for us and all the rest of it, I think we still lack that big clunk centre-half forward who can just stand up in a pack and, you know, put up two hands and just be a reliable uh, marking target in the forward 50. Yep. As good as Schultz is, he's still very much lead mark. Um you know he's not exactly he's not exactly strong in one on one contests. Like I think he can be bullied, especially I mean as we saw with uh, hashtag Talia is a redacted. Um, you know standing in one on one contests, he tends to get a bit bald, and he you know as aggressive as he can be, I don't think he uh, is able to fight back by fair means or foul. So that's why I think you know all of us were so you know tantalised by John Butcher's performance in the uh, NAB game at Amy Stadium because. That is the one missing link, I think, in our team as a whole, and that is a big boy like John who can just monster opponents and monster games when the mood takes. And I think if we can find that from somewhere, we'll be nigh on unbeatable. Mm. Look, predict, uh, look, prediction, boys. Who's going to win? Port. I can't believe you even have to ask that question, Macca. And by how much? Oh, I'm going to go 23 points. Okay. I think uh, Port Adelaide, obviously. Come on. Um, I'm going to say eight points. I think there's going to be a lot of rust. I think Fremantle are going to throw everything in this game in front of uh, a full house at Subiaco. I think they've got to, they'll feel like they've got to right the wrong of last year, but that's in the books for good, so cop that. Um, yeah, eight points Port Adelaide in a grind. Nice, I like it. Look, I think it's going to be a close game. I can see either... I can't really see either sort of team breaking free in this one. It could really go either way. I think Frio are going to want revenge for that finals loss, even though it doesn't really mean much this year. And I think with a few underdone players, um, I don't think we will be at our absolute peak. Um, I think... The fact that we will have Monfries and Ryder available is fantastic. But look, I'm going to pick Frio by 16 points in this one. Good work. Screw you, bloody Carlton. Who picks Carlton, for God's sake? Oh, my God, I don't know. Unbelievable. Can't, I can't believe I picked Carlton. Well, look, talking about even... uh, the other, other games on this weekend, what other game interests you the most this week? Oh, there's a lot of a lot of interesting games. I, I'm going to actually say Adelaide North Melbourne. Okay. Yep. Because everyone's pumping North Melbourne up, and they do seem to struggle against Adelaide, and they didn't play well over here. And Adelaide, everyone, everyone's pumping up Phil Walsh and Adelaide, and they're the fittest team ever in the universe. Um, are they going to be able to deliver that? Mm. So I'm really interested to see who comes out the victor. No, that should be a good game. I'm going to say Essendon, Sydney. Okay. For obvious reasons. I mean, Sydney got absolutely torched in that grand final. Um, and Essendon, I mean, hello. What, what did I absolutely lose my wad over as we started the show? 
Essendon just coming off the Asada stuff. <laughs> I said the word taint, but um, <laughs> in all seriousness, they are going to come out breathing fire. And it remains to be seen whether that will, they'll channel that for good and they'll put in a really good rousing performance, as Essendon seemed to do. They beat us at Adelaide Oval last year, famously. Uh, I think they beat Frio in a game they weren't expected to win, uh, was it last year or the year before? And, of course, they beat the Crows at Football Park in round one uh, a couple of years ago when no one expected them to win. So they've got a history of coming up with massive performances. And, you know, gee whiz, it's going to be uh, the immovable object running into the irresistible force, I think, and it's going to be one to watch. I like that. Yeah, for me, it's going to be uh, Brisbane versus Collingwood. You know, I'm really keen to see how Dane Beams goes against his old side first up. Keen to see how some of these young Brisbane guys go with another preseason under their belt. And should be a pretty good guide as to what Collingwood will do this year as well and, and to see how Collingwood react um, to their two players um, going out with the, with the whole drug issue as well. So for me, I, I reckon that's the most interesting game this, this week. Yeah, I'm interested to see how Brisbane go too. Who did you pick, Macca? Uh, no one yet, but I'm right. probably leaning towards Brisbane in that one, I think. Yes, yes, fair enough. Interesting. I won't tell you who I picked. No, I picked Brisbane. I think Brisbane. It, it's a good game. There's so many close games. It's, it's a great round one. It is a great I'm interested to see how Gary Ablett comes out and plays after yep. so long off. Yeah, you know, some people... Some people think he's going to be rusty, and but he's just such of a freak of a footballer. It just wouldn't surprise me at all. Come out against Melbourne and get forty disposals and get a best on ground. He's that good. That's it. I mean, and then there's Hawthorne Geelong, which um, you know has been probably the matchup of the decade so far. I guess the other the other question extending on from that is: is everyone bored of Carlton Richmond in round one opening the show? You couldn't think of two more nondescript teams to start the season, really. Well, they're both underwhelming. Um, they have been for quite some time. And then they get this showstopper fixture year in, year out. And, I mean, surely a, rewarding a, a Port Adelaide or a Hawthorne, the Premiers, um, you know, teams that have really been there and shown some flash, that would have been a way to open up the season with a bit of a bang. Um, yeah, from what I've seen in the background, it's been a very underwhelming game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Carlton Richmond. Does anybody care beyond fans of Carlton and Richmond? No. I mean, you could argue that about any team, but I mean, what have these two teams done in the last 20 odd years? Mm. Nothing. Well, I mean, even Essendon Sydney would have had an interesting opening saga, you know? Fourth with what's... Geelong. Why yeah. not? The reigning premiers versus one of the great all time teams. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I just, in a way, for all the pumping up of the round, I just think that opening fixture is just a little bit underwhelming. Let them deserve to earn the right to have that fixture again. That's it. Well, look, boys, I think we might leave it there for this evening. Really? Yep. We could, we could go on for hours. We could. We could. Yeah. Good work. But we won't. No, we won't. Um... Why not? What else have we got to do? Satori Nakajima duffel coat weaving. Actually, I've got to download the Pink Floyd Wish You Were Here album and start remem- memorising the lyrics again for the for the 40-year reunion concert next week. That was a bit weird. But tribute show. Enjoy us. It'll be awesome. Looking awesome. forward to it. All right, boys. 
Driby, thanks for coming on, buddy. Oh, cheers. Always a pleasure, Rick. Thank you. No, you've done well once again. Thank you very much. Oh, that's a lie. Thank you. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, boys. Macca. Can the pair? Can't the power. Come on, Port. Spears an inside 50. Schultz comes hard. Flicks it out. Bokes. Get it be appropriate. The captain. That is gold class. Leadership agrees with Travis Boat. He's better than ever.